This is Living While Dying, an ALS story from Minnesota Public Radio News. The summer of 2013 had a lot of ups and downs for Bruce Kramer. He continued his adaptive yoga practice, going twice a week, Mondays with his wife Ev or his kids, and Fridays with good friends who volunteered their time to help get him to class and through what was at once an invigorating and uplifting, yet exhausting hour of breathing and poses. He kept writing his blog, working on a revision of a textbook on leadership ethics, and talking to me, Kathy Warzer, as we continued our series of conversations on Minnesota Public Radio about his life with ALS. While he talked about accepting the horrific losses the disease kept handing him, and exuding confidence that he was handling it all, there were, naturally, times when the losses became too much, and he wrote that he'd sometimes feel as if there were thunderheads around my eyes, and he was less able to move through the harder and more challenging times. In July, he was only able to use his thumbs, and even they operated sporadically, his left thumb shaking and skittering left and right, his right thumb a little more steady. Bruce Kramer worked hard to stay ahead of the losses as they kept coming, trying to be prepared as best he could. So, in late August of 2013, he started learning a new kind of technology. I've already taken out one door here in the condo with it. Bruce decided, as it became clear his thumbs were soon to stop functioning, that he wanted to be able to keep some kind of independence. At least he wanted to keep driving his motorized wheelchair by himself as long as possible. So he taught himself how to control the wheelchair using controls operated by moving his head, a head array. It's a little bit funny because to go forward or to go backward, you press your head back. Right and left are just turning your head. So that's pretty intuitive. But going forward, you press your head back. So if I'm coming up to something and I think I should slow down, I intuitively back up. And uh, instead, that speeds me up and boom, right into the door. So I'm not taking this out into crowds of people yet. (laughs) It's interesting to see how technology has helped you. You're dealing with this, the power chair now with the head array, but also I know you're uh, writing the blog and also uh, other correspondence using voice recognition software. Right. My whole life, I thought with my fingers. If I really wanted to know what I thought about something, I just started twiddling the keyboard, and eventually I'd look up and there was something there that kind of made sense to me. It's taken me a while to make that transition. But yes, now I use the voice recognition software. I'm actually beginning to use it now to control the computer itself. You can tell it to mouse up, mouse down, double click, things like that. And that actually has saved me some, some energy and allowed me to, to continue to work even when I'm really, really tired. I'm practicing with an eye gaze system, uh, which would speak for me if I lose my voice. And um, that's pretty hard stuff. But I'm practicing. It's kind of like the head array. I'm practicing getting better. You don't want to get this stuff when you need it. You want to get it before you do. Bruce and his wife, Ev, managed to take a trip to Chicago that summer. It proved to be the last plane trip he'd ever take. Ultimately, that short jaunt to Chicago turned out to be transformative. Now, as a nationally recognized expert on leadership and leadership ethics, Dr. Bruce Kramer, former dean of the College of Education at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota, would cringe every time he heard the word transformative, especially as it was used in reference to almost anything from institutions or corporations 
to new car designs. He thought the word was overused. Until he said this at the end of August 2013. As you know, I've had quite a transformative experience this past week. When he said that, I knew he wasn't kidding. Oh, sweetie. Yeah. Oh, you look so nice today. I like this little outfit. Yeah. There's Grandma Ev. And I'm Grandpa Bruce. Yep. Bruce's transformative experience fully bloomed when he looked into the eyes of his firstborn grandchild. But it actually began during that trip to Chicago. He wrote about it in a blog entry called Picture Perfect. And we talked about it for Minnesota Public Radio in September of 2013. When I turned 50, I realized that suddenly the guy that was staring back at me was not the guy that I thought looked like that. You know, I think all of us carry a little bit of vanity sort of narcissism about how we look. But in this particular instance, I was downloading the pictures from our little jaunt to Chicago. And one of them came up, and I, and I looked at it, and I wondered, who is that guy in the wheelchair? And I, I suddenly realized that it was me. And it was like um, being kicked. It was such a shock to me, because I had what I've kind of termed in my own head the ALS look. And, well, why wouldn't I? I have ALS. But the fact that it was there, and it was so undeniably there. Well, what's the ALS look? Well, first of all, you're leaned back in the chair because you can't hold your body up. And probably your muscles around your spine are so atrophied that you're kind of crooked. Your feet and hands have obviously been placed by somebody else. Uh, You're not really able to move. And then invariably in the pictures of people with ALS, there is somebody, a loved one or family, and they're all bending down to be with you. Now, nothing wrong with these pictures, but they, they do tend to all kind of reflect that look. I'll tell you what, in my head... I'm still the guy that's walking down the hall. I'm still the guy that walks in and takes a room. But that image Kramer had of himself was punctured by the photograph in front of him. He thought he had accepted the many physical changes wrought by the disease. But to his surprise, he says, there was a disquieting dissonance between how he saw himself and the reality reflected in the photo. It was so jarring, he had to write about it in his blog, The Dis-Ease Diary. It took me back to almost the first days after diagnosis. You know, as I was projecting forward and thinking, well, what's going to happen to me? Well, now it's happened, and it's still happening. I've used the term circling back, but I also think of it as spiraling because you don't circle back to the exact same point. You circle back down underneath it. It's close to the same point, but it's, it's a little bit deeper. And so I found myself back in that space and had to process it. How do you see yourself as you live with ALS? How do you see yourself? That's a really good question. I'm getting used to the idea that this person and this wheelchair are pretty much one and the same. But I don't see it. And I I feel like myself. All of us project a physical presence wherever we go. And I realized that my physical projection 
as it diminishes, the trick here is not to allow my personhood, my sense of who I am, to also diminish. If that vacation photo stirred up some anxiety and sadness for Kramer, another one, more than a month later, led to a much clearer picture of the whole person. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a good one. What is yeah. it? What is it? Oh, just find that hand. Find that hand. I am just absolutely gaga, smitten, totally in love. And I've just never quite experienced anything like this. That love, joy, and wonder is reflected in a photograph of Bruce, a first-time grandfather with his newborn granddaughter. Oh, oh, looky there. Hey, baby. I got it. Hey, sweetie. So I ended the blog with a picture of me holding my granddaughter, Hypatia, and reinterpreting the first picture um, as a picture of not a person with ALS, defined by ALS, but rather a person waiting, waiting for this pure love that is coming and has arrived. And um, I think that is transformative. Have you noticed as the the summer has gone on, that you're doing more reinterpretation? Is, is it almost a way, as you talk about spiraling and getting in and under and deeper on various issues that come up, that you're doing more reinterpretation? I, I think that's a good way to, to think about it. When we interpret an event in a singular way, then we only see that event for its facade. We've created just the skin-deep way of looking at it. But if we can get underneath it, and, and this, is, this is what I was trying to do in the blog, was to get underneath this picture, we project a representation that we want others to, to see. Sometimes it's truthful. <laughs> or sometimes it's a mask. Exactly. And so the thing about ALS is that it doesn't make you honest but it so starkly offers you the choice of either being honest or not. And if you choose to be honest with it, then yes, all of that bad stuff is there, but it's like refining a precious metal in a way. It burns away all of the stuff that doesn't matter if you're honest and leaves you with things that are pure and primal and humanly possible. And I would say the birth of a granddaughter is just pure love. Granddaughter Hypatia is now two years old. Ev Emerson, Bruce's wife, is keeping a special box for her, crammed full of photos, audio recordings, computer thumb drives, papers, all about her now-gone grandpa. Bruce Kramer, so she'll know who Bruce was and what his life was all about. Coming up in the next installment of Living While Dying, an ALS story, the process of winding down.